0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of
1: Recommended Insurance Attorneys.
0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me in the studio today is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today David Burstein from the Toronto, Ontario-based law firm of Lang-Michener. Lang-Michener has been a leader in Canada's legal profession for over 80 years. They are a firm with over 200 attorneys who have played a key role in understanding the competitive global needs of companies today. David Burstein has been a partner with the law firm since 1991 and is a chairman of the Toronto Insurance Litigation Group. He also is a frequent lecturer on various insurance law issues. Today's topic is centered on issues both Canadian and U.S. law firms and insurers must concern themselves about pertaining to automobile law. Leading off with today's first question is Brendan Noonan. Yes, David. Why do American auto insurers have to concern themselves about Canadian auto laws?
1: There are numerous motor vehicle accidents involving American and Canadian residents which result in litigation in Canada. There are four ways American automobile insurers can become obligated to Canadian laws. Firstly, most American motor vehicle liability insurance policies contain financial responsibility provisions which provide that the amount of coverage and the policy provisions will be adjusted if necessary so as to comply with the minimum legal requirements of the state or Canadian province where the motor vehicle accident occurs. Second, many American automobile insurers have obtained a license pursuant to the provincial insurance acts which entitle them to carry on business in Canada. A license to carry on automobile insurance in Ontario, for example, is subject to various conditions. One of those conditions is that in any action against the licensed insurer or its insured arising out of an automobile accident in Ontario, the insurer shall appear and shall adjust its policy to conform with Ontario motor vehicle laws. Third, the governments of all provinces and territories of Canada have jointly prepared a power of attorney and undertaking, which has been signed by numerous American insurance companies. This undertaking requires the American insurer to appear in any action against it or its insured commenced in Canada not to set up a defence under the motor vehicle liability insurance contract, which could not be set up if the contract was entered into in accordance with Canadian law, and to satisfy any final judgment rendered against it or its insured in respect of any kind or class of coverage required by Canadian law to be provided in an amount not less than the minimum liability limits in Canada. Finally, the province of Ontario has solicited two further undertakings from out-of-province insurers. These have been signed by almost 800 different insurance companies. One is called the protected defendant undertaking, and it obligates American insurers to adjust their policies to provide at least the Ontario minimum liability limit, to provide uninsured and underinsured automobile coverage, and to provide Ontario statutory accident benefits, similar to PIP benefits in the United States.
0: Based on that, what aspects of the Ontario law should U.S. insurers be most concerned about regarding the policies?
1: I'll touch on four different aspects of Canadian law. Firstly, in all provinces except Quebec, The minimum liability limit is $200,000 plus legal costs. In most Canadian jurisdictions, legal costs that are recoverable include a significant portion of actual attorney's fees. The second aspect of Canadian law is uninsured automobile coverage. Ontario law, for example, obligates American insurers who must comply with Canadian law to pay all sums that a person insured under the contract is legally entitled to recover from the owner or driver of an uninsured or unidentified automobile. The person insured under the contract is defined to include any person while an occupant of the insured automobile. So John, for example, if you drive to Toronto to visit me, and while driving to a restaurant we are involved in an accident caused by an uninsured or unidentified motorist, both of us get to look to your automobile insurer to satisfy our tort claims up to the greater of the amount of your policy limit or $200,000 Canadian. I see. A third aspect of Canadian laws is the direct compensation scheme in Ontario. The Ontario government has asked foreign insurers to sign a direct compensation undertaking. Any insurer who has signed that undertaking or who happens to be licensed to carry on business in Ontario may be required to pay the damages to its insured's motor vehicle without a right of subrogation, even if the Ontario motorist caused the accident. I think the aspect of Canadian law that is most concerning to American insurers is the requirement to pay statutory accident benefits, PIP benefits. American insurance companies are obligated to pay to certain injured parties, regardless of fault relating to the cause of the motor vehicle accident, very significant benefits. The Provincial Insurance acts set out the rules to be applied in determining which insurer is liable to pay the statutory accident benefits. In Ontario, the injured party, even if a passenger or a pedestrian, must first look to his or her own insurer. A pedestrian who does not have motor vehicle insurance looks to the insurer of the motor vehicle that struck him. A passenger who does not have the insurance looks to the insurer of the motor vehicle in which he or she was traveling. If that vehicle is not insured, then the injured person looks to the insurer of any other vehicle involved in the accident. So, John, let me give you another example. Let's assume, again, you drive to Toronto to visit me. While we are in your car, we're involved in an accident caused by an Ontario motorist who happens to be uninsured. Assume that you and I are both injured, as is a passenger in the motor vehicle that caused the accident. John, you are entitled to look to your insurer to pay you Ontario statutory accident benefits. If I happen to be uninsured because I don't drive, I also look to your American insurer to pay my statutory accident benefits. Further, the passenger in the at-fault vehicle also has the right to look to your insurance company to pay his or her statutory accident benefits if that person doesn't have his or her own automobile insurance policy. Accident benefits in Canada and in Ontario in particular are very substantial. There's an income replacement benefit payable to someone who can't work because of injury suffered in an accident. The benefit is 80% of the person's net loss of income to a maximum of $400 per week. The medical, rehabilitation, and attendant care benefits pay all reasonable and necessary expenses. For each injured person, the medical and rehabilitation benefits are $100,000. However, if the injured person sustained a catastrophic impairment, the medical and rehabilitation benefits are a million dollars. The attendant care benefits for someone who sustains a catastrophic impairment are a further $1 million. And there are other statutory accident benefits that injured parties are
0: entitled to recover as well. Well, it sounded like a very big concern then. And there are, uh, I believe, six U.S. states that border Ontario. Is this something that every state would need to be concerned about?
1: Well, you're right, there are six that border Ontario. I think there's 12 states in total that border Canada. But these aren't issues that affect only the northern states. I've had cases that have involved residents from Florida, Texas, California who might be vacationing in Toronto and be involved in accidents here. I've had cases that have involved Canadians that have been traveling throughout the United States. They've been involved in accidents in the U.S., and they have wound up commencing litigation once they return to Canada.
0: David, how does the uh, litigiousness of the United States compare with Canada, and, and how do the, those differences in the appetite for litigation affect the cross-border cases?
1: I'm not sure that there is any country that is as litigious as the United States, but as I said, I've been retained by U.S. insurers in respect of cases which involve Canadian citizens suing American citizens by reason of injuries, in motor vehicle accidents caused by accidents either in Ontario or in the United States. I've been involved in hundreds of such cases. Currently, there's an aspect of Ontario law that might make you think that we're not as litigious uh, as other parts of the country. Currently, if someone is injured in a motor vehicle accident in Ontario, the person is not entitled to recover in a lawsuit commenced in Ontario damages for non pecuniary loss, pain and suffering, unless he or she has suffered either a permanent serious disfigurement or a permanent serious impairment of an important physical, mental or psychological function. An injury is serious if it interferes with the person's ability to work in their chosen occupation. There are also deductibles that apply in Ontario motor vehicle accident cases. After general damages are assessed, the award to the injured plaintiff is reduced by $30,000 unless their damages are assessed at over $100,000. This protection for defendants only applies if they are insured by an automobile insurer licensed to carry on business in Ontario and to foreign insurers who sign the protected defendant undertaking. American insurers sign that protected defendant undertaking, which obligates them to provide the types of coverage and the amount of coverage mandated under Ontario law. But in return, they receive the benefit of the threshold and the deductibles.
0: And when the end, what determines ultimately where the cases are, are tried?
1: Different considerations apply to tort cases and claims for statutory accident benefits. I'll deal with the tort cases first. If the tort action is commenced in Canada, the defendant or the defendant's insurer has the right to bring a motion to the court seeking an order that another jurisdiction is more convenient for the trial. The Canadian court will consider a number of factors, including where the accident occurred, where the parties reside, location of the witnesses, etc. If the court believes that there's another jurisdiction that is more convenient, then it'll agree that the action should be transferred to that foreign jurisdiction. The most important scenarios for the listeners are cases where the at-fault motorist is an American resident. I've had cases where a Canadian resident was vacationing in the United States, they are injured in a motor vehicle accident caused by an American resident, then they choose to commence the tort action in Canada. The liability witnesses may be in the United States. The plaintiff may have received some initial medical treatment in the United States. However, if the loss of income is continuing in Canada, if there's significant ongoing medical treatment in Canada, the Canadian court will likely retain jurisdiction. could also have a situation where the injured plaintiff is an American and they choose to bring the tort action in Canada. The American insurer who's defending that action may succeed in challenging the jurisdiction of the Canadian court, If the only connections to Canada are the residence of the defendant and the location of the accident, but if it turns out that the plaintiff received most of his or her medical care in the United States, then the case can probably be transferred back to the United States. It may be a little bit more complicated with respect to claims for statutory accident benefits. While Canadian law is quite clear that Americans are entitled to recover statutory accident benefits, some American courts may not recognize those rights, and the American may be forced to bring his or her claim in Canada. I'm aware of an Ohio Court of Appeal case, Fist, an Atlantic Mutual Insurance Company. Fist was a resident of the state of Ohio. He was insured under a motor vehicle policy issued in Ohio. He was driving his motor vehicle in Ontario when struck head-on by a motor vehicle being operated by a Canadian. Fist brought an action in Ohio against his own automobile insurer, claiming medical and rehabilitation benefits mandated under Ontario law. The majority of the Ohio court held that Fist could not ask the court to award him statutory accident benefits in accordance with Ontario law. Justice Tayak dissented, and he stated that Ohio citizens, having purchased policies which lead them to believe that they can legally operate a motor vehicle in Canada, should not have to file suit in Canadian courts in order to receive the full sum to which they are entitled under Canadian law. Canadian courts most certainly would have supported Mr. Fist. One such case is Schrader and United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company. Mr. Schrader was a New York resident who was injured in a motor vehicle accident in Ontario when a sheet of plywood fell off an unidentified truck and struck his vehicle, causing Schrader to lose control. Schrader's policy was issued in New York State. United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company was not licensed to carry an automobile insurance in Ontario, but they had executed a power of attorney and undertaking... The Ontario court held that Mr. Schrader was entitled to look to his American insurance company to provide uninsured automobile coverage and statutory accident benefits mandated under Ontario law. David, what
0: are the biggest challenges an attorney faces when dealing with laws out of country?
1: In proceedings commenced in Canada, the court applies the applicable Canadian procedural law. However, the court will apply the substantive laws of the jurisdiction where the accident occurred. When the accident occurs in the United States, the parties may have to call expert evidence as to the applicable U.S. laws. The Canadian trier of fact, whether it's a judge alone or whether it's a jury, considers that expert evidence and then makes a finding of fact as to what the foreign laws are. I believe the biggest challenge for a U.S. attorney is to try to deal with claims for Canadian statutory accident benefits. There are obligations on both the injured party and the insurer relating to providing and completing forms, preparing treatment plans, and assessing and responding to claims for benefits. A dispute regarding statutory accident benefits must be referred to mediation. If the mediation fails... The issues in dispute may be referred for an evaluation of the probable outcome of a court proceeding or an arbitration. It's often best for the U.S. insurer or their counsel to retain a Canadian insurance adjuster or a Canadian attorney. Are
0: there any efforts in the works to standardize elements of law, or will they remain unique to each state or province?
1: Under the Canadian Constitution, property rights are under provincial jurisdiction. This means that each province is at liberty to create its own automobile insurance laws. Practically, however, there has been some standardization because when one province adopts a law that other provinces thought was wise, they followed suit. That's why the liability limit in each province except Quebec is $200,000.
0: David, thank you very much today. We really appreciate it. I want to thank you very much. You're from the Canadian-based law firm of Lang Michener. Special thanks today to Brendan Noonan for joining us in studio today and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this podcast, go to podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan. And now this message.